You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And here comes Bert. Hello, Bert. Yes, you noticed that I just started talking. Part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. Hi. I am your humble host and thinks the Patriots should tank for Trevor, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by some of the guys. We have the working girl and keeper of keys and grounds at Buccaneer Bandwagon, Jordan Smith, and ginger clean shaven man and political wildcard, Nick Butterford. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Good. Good, man. How are you doing? I am doing well, currently being attacked by Bert. Uh, Jordan, your mustache is looking glorious. I haven't shaved in like three weeks now, so I'm just riding it out. You look absolutely incredible. Nick, meanwhile, has shaved yet again. Just uh, can't yeah. let the beard grow, Nick. Can't, can't, can't let it be free. Isn't, aren't we like under CDC orders to shave our faces? <laughs> I guess this, Jordan, this is the one time you need to be shaving your face. I, I think I'll be all right with a little bit of chin hair. I don't have a full on beard, which fortunately I cannot grow. So just got to stay cleanly and uh, stay inside. Yeah. Just, just scrub the facial hair down anytime you walk back inside, then you're fine. Just scrub it down. Uh, Nick, I have to start the podcast, though, okay. by, by getting – I have to ask you a question. Since you were not on last week's show and since you gave us all plenty of shit on Twitter for the uh, TV channels that we drafted, I have to what? ask, what would be your show that you would take in the first round? What would be your first pick on a TV show channel draft? X-Files. Okay, well, your TV show channel already sucks. So how, how does that feel, Nick? How does it feel to have a friend just rip you apart? I know I'm right and that you're wrong, so I'm cool, man. <laughs> uh, well, interesting choice on the X-Files. That's Thank you. not a bad choice. Is it the Thank right you. choice? I don't know. I don't know. What I'm kind it? of a fan. That's, anyway, yeah. That's Let's not a bad show. show going. Is it what is that on any streaming device? Beck and I are looking for a new show, and yeah. I have seen some of it, but maybe that's something we can get into. Yeah, it's it's on Hulu, and oh, I am keeping my Hulu subscription right now for, or I, I got it so that I could watch X Files. And once I watch through the series again, um, I will be canceling it because I don't like supporting them. But I had to watch X Files, so. All right. Well, there you go. Maybe Hulu maybe has a fun. ton of good stuff, but it is like a garbage streaming service it's like whoever decided that that interface was like yeah we're gonna go with oh this. yeah oh like you can't find anything on there nobody knows what's on hulu <laughs> it is it is very weird to use i just don't like the company so i it's one of those like all right i'll do it to, you know i'll get a couple months in and then then i'm gonna bail it's like a tease you're teasing them you're like hey you you think you have my business but really i'm only giving you my business for a little bit of time so don't get comfy it's like renting exactly. your couch out to a friend it's like, hey, you can crash, <laughs> but you can't stay here that long. So don't get comfy. <laughs> I feel like those are good parallels. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. Well, we are going to talk some football this week. Uh, unlike last week, we're going to play the greatest game in the podcast universe. Uh, play some Would You Rather. Talk about all kinds of things. The NFL draft is coming up. So I'm sure that'll be brought up. In fact, I can promise that'll be brought up because I have some questions revolving around it before we get into the game though. I do want to, how do you guys feel? Because this is something that I've been, uh, it's not a huge thing to be grappling with, but I, I kind of feel like the NFL is, should be taking it L here. How do you guys feel about the NFL's complete, like uh lack of 
any kind of change in regards to COVID-19. Whereas every other league, obviously, since they've been currently going on, the league has been shut down. seems like the NBA season is probably not coming back. Baseball seems like they might be moving to their summer league uh, stadiums in order to mitigate the amount of people. Meanwhile, the NFL is like, we're going to be on in September and everyone better be there. I feel like I, I don't know if the NFL should be taking some precautions or like preparing for the possibility that maybe things will be, uh, be different in September. I don't know if that's there. Like that should be something that they should be doing. It just seems to me that the NFL is kind of like in classic NFL fashion, like blindly running forward and being like to hell with all of your precautions. We're doing it our way. I don't know. I can't really hold like, much more contempt for how the league works than I already do. Uh, <laughs> at this point, I'm just like not surprised that they haven't changed how they would run or operate business as usual. And I guess they do technically have some time before the season is officially underway, but uh, they've been grappling with a pretty rough product in September as it is based on their lack of practice time, the lack of time that they can actually get together and be good. So if they can't do, um, you know, voluntary workouts or just work together as a team in any capacity, then even if they put them out on the field with, you know, nobody in the stands or however they want to do it in September, it's not going to look great. It's going to, they might do more damage to their product by putting it on the field than by just waiting a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think the only um, worse United States based uh, sports outfit is the UFC and both of them, as you were saying, Jordan, just continue to show they don't, they don't care at all about their athletes. This is entirely a profit driven enterprise. Um, So yeah, I I think that they should be doing the exact opposite of what they are doing and they should have, as all businesses should have done and our, and our federal government uh, should have said all players will be paid no matter what happens. And we're going to take every precaution necessary rather than doing this. Well, we'll be on in September, you know, absent uh, any sort of scientific backing. Um, for, for those interested, uh, the established to run guys had Andrew Brandt on. Jordan, you, I'm sure, know who, who, of whom I speak, former, I think he was director of player personnel or, or GM of Green Bay Packers. Um, and he gave his insights as to what he thinks the league will do he doesn't think that play, play, if they don't if if the season doesn't happen he doesn't think that they're going to have uh, that will have uh, excuse me if if the season does not happen he doesn't think the pairs will get played what he expects that to happen is the league year gets kicked back to like December but to answer your initial question Pete and stop rambling yeah they uh, what they're doing is contemptible I, I I can't believe it I mean it's it's like it's to the point where even Adam Schefter is like fed up with this shit. I saw like he had an interview where he was like, at some point, the NFL has to recognize that we're in a state of chaos right now. And you have to take precautions for what's going, you know, what's going to be coming. Uh, I like selfishly was kind of happy that they didn't like postpone free agency because of the fact that it was a nice release when or nice distraction, when there was no sports to distract, like it was that, that kind of chaos was fun. The draft is now going to be, like a fantasy draft where everyone's going to phone in from, from their house, which I guess will be exciting, but it does seem to me, I it's well within what we've expected and come to expect from the NFL and how the NFL operates. But I feel like the NFL should be getting a lot more shame for it's just blatant. Like we're going to be on in September and you all should be there. We're going to have packed houses. I mean, it's, it's, it does. It's not, shouldn't come as a surprise as the NFL owners are all, you know, old white men who are down to dollar profit, and it shouldn't be surprised that them and our, you know, and Trump are all basically spouting spouting the same shit. Where it's like things will get better, things will be better, and we just have to, you know, everyone go back to work and it'll, it'll solve itself. It's like nah, that's not how it works. Anyways, we don't need to delve too much into that. I just since we hadn't talked about football in a while, it was something that had been. I've been thinking about where I'm just like, all right, let's, uh, let's how NFL, how about growing a pair of balls and being like, you know what? We recognize that we're in a crazy state of, of how things are. And the world is very different. Like maybe we will delay the league or at least not go into this season thinking that like everything's going to be hunky dory. Anywho on to much more fun. It is time to play 
Would you I have a whole laundry list of questions, so we will go for as many rounds as we see fit. Uh, let us start off with Jordan. Why don't you start us off with your first, with a would you rather? All right. My first would you rather is a pretty quick one. It has to do with some incoming rookie wide receivers here um, and based on where they might end up in the draft. So these guys might go. Um, in the early teens, late, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12 range. So would you rather have C.D. Lamb on the Las Vegas Raiders uh, and whatever is going on there with Derek Carr, or would you rather have Henry Ruggs III on the Broncos with a, are we sure he's good at Drew Locke? And... Cortland Sutton's there. You're saying from a fantasy standpoint? Yes. Yeah. Would you rather draft them like in a rookie draft with your if you're doing dynasty league, etc.? Yeah, I uh so I'm I'm still learning um really about this incoming class. Uh and and uh you know to to pat uh good fantasy people on the back, I highly recommend everybody check out what Sports Info Solutions is doing right now if you donate to a charity. They uh, to a COVID related charity, they will send you a copy of their SIS football rookie handbook for free. Um, if you you Dope. make the donation and then just send the receipt to them, yeah, the, I, I got mine like two days after I made the donation. Um, so everybody hit that up. So as as far as what I understand of the players uh, and their situations go, though, I, I think I'd probably be more inclined to if is. Is this Jordan? Is this uh, redraft like just a standard redraft, or is this dynasty? I guess if, if you have like separate answers for each one, um, if you feel like one pairing might have better upside over the other one, um, but I'm mostly looking at like obviously you might have uh, opinions on which receiver is better, but like for example, myself last year, I did not look a whole lot at situation than I should. So I want to look at situation more this season. Okay. So, yeah, I think that there's going to be more opportunity for like a, uh, an alpha dog in, in Oakland or in Las Vegas. Um, Waller, the a terrific tight end, you know, receiving tight end Tyrell, uh, the gazelle Tyrell Williams. He's, you know, he's kind of like a, a poor man's Anquan Bolden. Um, I, I think that there's a whole lot of room there to get a lot of work. So if I'm just going like, you know, this season, give me CD lamb. Um, as far as the, the Broncos go though, I do think that they're developing something good right now, but drew lock coming into his second year, he started, you know, like six games or something last year. He's, he's still pretty green and he's got Cortland Sutton there as a target monster right now. So I don't think I would want uh, uh, rugs, in Denver this year, but I think long-term I might be more interested in them because I think that they're as an organization kind of just getting started and there's so much influx uh, long-term with, with the Raiders. So I agree with uh, Nick, though. I do love Henry Ruggs. I think Henry Ruggs, I think Henry Ruggs is not, I want people to not think of him as like this speedster deep threat a la John Ross, a la Darius Hayward, like these kinds of receivers who come into the league and they're a one trick pony. Henry Ruggs is a legit wide receiver, regardless of his speed. And he just happens to have blazing four, two speed um, on your note. Nick, I, so I do, I did a mock draft. I do a bunch of them on fake teams. And the most recent one I did, I got spicy and I was like, okay, let's have the charges trade up for Tua the dolphins freak out and decide that they're going to tank one more season and they, and they take Isaiah Simmons. And so that means Justin Herbert falls all the way down to our boy, John Elway, who just can't say no to a six foot seven quarterback who can throw 70 yards standing still. And Broncos fans all got up in my mentions because I guess drew lock somehow has like won this fan base over despite showing 
not that like was he fucking incredible to the point where i just totally missed him and like all of a sudden now he's like the savior of this franchise that i completely overlooked like i was amazed at how quickly all of denver was like oh my god this is a stupid mock draft the broncos would never do that we have drew lock it's like what do you is drew lock really your franchise i have i have seen similar things occur uh the people love drew lock the people of denver when did this happen uh, I think we, you know, we've had a lot of time to be shut up in our homes thinking about, <laughs> you know, whatever we want to think about. And everybody's like, dude, this shit, Drew dude, Lock, play this year. I mean, and I think he's, I, I think that he is promising. Uh, you know, something something you like to see is a guy step in early and then go, who is my best target? Okay, and just force for him. <laughs> and that's what he did with Cortland. So, like, you like that, you know? You, I, uh, you like to see a guy play to, to his strength. I think he's promising. Um, yeah. I, I'm a yeah. big – I would – for Jordan, for your would you rather, I would agree with Nick. I would go C.D. Lamb on the Raiders, just given the fact that he could be a target hog, given the fact that Marcus Mariota is going to start there in week five. And uh, – <laughs> And I, I love Henry Ruggs. If Henry Ruggs went to any other team other than the Broncos, I would be like, if Henry Ruggs went to the Jets, I think I would take Henry Ruggs over CD Lamb. I will not take anyone. I know. I know it's going against my ban Adam Gase, but like, whoo, they got it. The Jets have to go wide receiver, right? They have to take a wide receiver because they've done absolutely nothing in this offseason in order to like put talent around Sam Darnold. One of those. Whoever it is, if they look at Gates the wrong way, they're just done. <laughs> yeah, I think I am. I think I'm leaning CD Lamb because uh, both of these guys, I feel like those three or those two and Jerry Judy are kind of interchangeable for the best wide receiver in the class. I don't really know if there's anybody that has separated themselves yet, um, but it just seems like in Oakland he would be like the guy because. Tyrell Williams, who is uh, their de facto number one wide receiver, is clearly a number two. And uh, Cortland Sutton in Denver is a number one. So, yeah, I think I would lean Lamb. If they uh, all right, sticking with the NFL draft, here's my, would you, my first would you rather. Uh, I alluded to one of what I did in this mock. I talked about this very quickly, brushed over it. Uh, but would you rather Tua – go to the chargers or the dolphins from a fantasy standpoint um from a fantasy standpoint this year the chargers i mean they're they're just so loaded as a team but it i have to just put in the caveat that in real life i don't want any anyone to have to go play for the chargers they're the stupidest is this goddamn because you, team. because you think tyrod taylor's the real deal and you don't want anyone to get in his way that's what it is. That's actually what I was getting to is not that they're, they're so ignorant that they refuse to have an analytics department um, and they will tank anybody's career. Like just, God, can you imagine what Philip Rivers could have been? Um, well, we're about to see. You, yeah, we are. And, uh, and I'm actually coming around on that one, but anyway, uh, the Dolphins though, I, I, we should give them credit. Preston Williams, Devonte Parker, Gusecki, if he gets this shit together. The Dolphins. If the it's Dolphins take Tua, this team, I think, is going to have a quick turnaround because they put a lot of pieces on that defense in the offseason. We've seen that everyone will play for Brian Flores. Like, I don't – I mean, I, th- I think the Dolphins are Actually, going to have to give up a lot to get Tua because I don't think he's going down to five now. I think the Dolphins are going to have to trade up for him, especially because the Chargers are basically saying that they're going to take a quarterback uh, with their pick and will probably be aggressive moving on draft day. I think that I think that this Dolphins team could be something with Tua, especially since everything is saying that Tua is going to be healthy day one. I know that Chargers have a ton of weapons, but I, I don't think I might trust that Dolphins thing, offensive line a, a tad more than what LA has. I'll need to brush up on his health stuff. Doctor Chow is not necessarily. Uh, I mean, he, he his his uh, prognostication was basically the injury that Tua suffered will never allow him to return to 100%. But in his opinion, an an 80 to 90% Tua is still way better than most quarterbacks. Um, You are kind of selling me on the idea of him ending up in in Miami being a better landing spot, though, 
for everything that, that we kind of just talked, it's way better coaching staff. Their weapons are not necessarily on the same level, but they are damn good. And something that may be kind of an X factor um, is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think having a, a, a veteran quarterback like that, who you can learn from, who just defines amnesia at the quarterback position like russell wilson always says to play quarterback you have to have amnesia when you make a mistake you need to forget it immediately i don't know if there's anyone in the nfl who embodies that more than ryan Fitzpatrick. you know 350 yards four tds but four picks two you know in, in a game like it, he doesn't give a shit so a- anyway um that might be a really good spot for him um i think the last thing i saw um was just a couple of days ago, actually, on Tua's health. Um, I found it right now, actually. Uh, Graffolo and uh, Ian Rappaport uh, said Tua participated in volu- in a voluntary medical recheck facilitated by the NFL Combine with an independent doctor. Doctor, and per those reps that are involved with that, the results were overwhelmingly positive. Um, not sure how much of that is true. Obviously, this is a guy who needs. Uh, positive medicals in order to go in the upper part of the draft because uh, other players right now just aren't as lucky because they can't go through pro days or anything like that to get in front of teams, medical teams because of uh, coronavirus and things of that nature. Uh, to get back to the question though, um, I might end up copping out here and say it kind of depends because Miami could be super interesting. Um, I like their coach. I like their weapons and, they still have two more draft picks in the first round if they pick Tua. So they Tua might not be the only weapon that they add, or they could add uh, like a Josh Jones from Houston or uh, like a Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, like two guys who are basically plug-and-play offensive linemen who are just ready to go. Um, I, I might be just attached to – because both of those teams, their trajectories towards the end of the season were just – completely different totally they were not the same in any regard so um i guess i'm leaning miami uh that's not what they do in the first round but leaning that way yeah i like that and i like where we where we all kind of came to because i do feel like on paper you're like oh chargers like keenan allen mike williams like that's hunter henry done but i i think i would rather Tua be in miami than uh than in la uh nick what's it would you rather you got so I uh, am just kind of using this time off, you know, for however long we have it to think about what do I, what do I actually like in terms of a fantasy league in general? So would you all rather, if you get to choose and, you know, we don't have the societal pressures, would you all rather continue this progression towards things like PPR leagues, uh, extended flexes, extended benches, the removal of the kicker position? Would you rather continue down this path for your own personal leagues or if if the world is your oyster would you rather that either you know for your league or fantasy generally we revert back to the old days of like two per position uh or two running backs two wide receivers quarterback tight end kicker defense no flex all standard scoring and and Pete, I think I I might know what your answer to this is, but not even decimal scoring, just just whole number scoring. What what do you, what do you guys prefer? I would say I prefer uh, the evolved methods of fantasy football. Um, just I, I don't like uh, non decimal scoring for some reason. <laughs> it just really <laughs> bugs me. Like it, it like activates some sort of OCD when I see the scores. Um, which is so funny because I'm the exact like decimals to me are just like, Oh God, why are they not whole numbers? <laughs> <laughs> True. But um, I, I feel like I've, I've been in a weird spot with my fantasy leagues over the past couple of years where I've tried to have like, not one of everything, but like a little bit of diversity. Like I don't want to play in two leagues that are exact cookie cutter shapes. Um, my preferred fantasy league has fully shifted to dynasty mode though. Um, it, it scratches a ton of itches for, um, you know, doing some rookie scouting, uh, getting the drafting in and then doing like consistent team building. Um, it's interactive with your friends year round. So, um, I, I think that's something that's been, um, 
don't know, pretty pretty crucial, especially in these times with what we're dealing with, that yeah, that sort of social interaction is really important for all of us. And I've had a lot of uh, just general interactions with friends about uh, fantasy football because you know, there's not a ton we can do. And as long as there's a dynasty league that's involved, then that's what I, I think I'm more leaning towards. I would like a lot of my leagues to shift that way. I like the the nod to the dynasty league. I I, uh, I haven't had the pleasure of, of joining one yet, but I've got some or have had a, a number of uh, overly elaborate keeper leagues where you keep uh, you know a number of players. We in, or wrote a, a constitution and it it got too complex. <laughs> but the point is that kind of stuff is really fun. I I, I think it's you know it's kind of cool. I I got high school buddies who I don't talk to other than football season. And it's, you know, it's our keeper league. We've been doing this since we were 15 years old. And it's, yeah, that, that stuff is pretty cool. So I, I like that. Uh, I like that nod. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's just personal preference. And I, I would lean towards the, I do like the standard. I, the scoring, I, I could care. I don't have as strong opinions about. I like the, I like small starting rosters, small benches. Like it's all about attacking the waiver wire and like building a good team rather than like getting lucky and having the right person in your starting lineup for the right time. Uh, I find I, I like taking the luck out of it and more like putting the strategy in. But I think ultimately, Nick, what your question has has shown is how important fantasy football and fantasy sports is in life. And in moments like these, you know, it's nice. It's nice to have that lifeline to friends where it's like, hey, let's talk uh, some crazy shit that's going in our league or just like talk things that are completely and utterly pointless, but uh, are a nice distraction from the chaos that surrounds us. And when sports are canceled and can't do that for us, it's nice to have a, a fantasy league that can. That was, I know the goal with your, with your question, Nick was to make everyone yeah. feel better about themselves. Well done. Yeah. Well done. I, I will say, I, I think like generally when you have rules that pop up that, unless you've like created them on your own, like if you create a really cool rule for your league, I think that's awesome. and makes it more special. But if you like found a rule that like, it's just being implemented with a bunch of other leagues that started who knows where, then, you know, you might think it's a, a pretty effective rule. So there's no harm in like trying it out. Yeah. Um, again, like I said, I, I do way too many dynasty leagues and they're all like a variation of, one thing or another so <laughs> uh all right we have plenty more would you rathers but we're going to take a quick ad break get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th hosted by kevin hart the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, real quick, would you rather? Would you rather have David Johnson or DeAndre Hopkins on your team? Like right now? <laughs> Which, well, the answer is whether it's real life or fantasy, there's a correct answer. But yeah. <laughs> That question, that question was really meant for Clark, but since Clark's not here, I had to say it anyways. Oh, shit. <laughs> that question is meant for Bill O'Brien. <laughs> that question is meant for Bill O'Brien. Bill, I'd love to know your answer. Uh, uh, let's go. Jordan, why don't you give us another would you rather? Um, so I'm not sure. Um, I probably should have checked with you guys how much like deep, uh, deep dive wide receiver oh, scouting might have done for the rookies. I am. Uh, but I'm sure we've, we've seen – enough based on like the combine and stuff so uh these guys are kind of similar draft profiles in a way so i wanted to ask if you're more in on um denzel mims would you rather have i guess denzel mims or uh justin jefferson Uh, because both 
are relatively raw players, but have really good athleticism and really showed out at the combine. It's hard to tell what they might turn into at this point. They're not exactly sure things, but they're kind of going towards the back end of the draft as part of the like top seven of wide receivers, but definitely not in the top three. Well, yeah, so I, I'm really still uh, kind of on the fly learning about a lot of this stuff, but I think what uh, perhaps might put Jefferson ahead is his route running ability. Um, whereas Mims, it, correct me if I'm wrong here, is much more of just a, a specimen, like an athletic freak. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, he's he's got really great athleticism, um, elite explosion, speed, et cetera, but he's got a pretty limited route tree. Do you know when he, uh, what year or how old he was when he broke out? Like I, I'm really into the, um, the, the breakout age. I mean, last uh, year he went absolutely nuts at, uh, okay. Baylor. Yeah. We're talking like about it. like player profile, pro- player profiler, like, uh, statistical. Yeah, exactly. Age. Yeah. I do not, but it, I can try to look that up. That for me, it, it's been remarkable learning more about. Like, it, it, it's fairly simple concept, but if 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 a college football player is young and they're able to uh, produce twenty percent of their team's offensive production uh, mm-hmm. when they're nineteen, as compared to when they're twenty-one, sure. it's it's a fairly strong indicator that they are a really talented player. It's you know, a twenty-one or twenty-two-year-old is much more of like a man body than a 19-year-old in many cases. So you, you look at guys like DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, th- those are the dudes who had crazy seasons when they were 19 and 20 years old. And uh, it, it's been a weirdly consistent statistic. So if you could tell me one of those two guys, uh, you know, had success early, uh, then I'll probably end up going with them. But from what I understand, Justin Jefferson has just shown more in terms of his, his ability to be a wide receiver. Yeah, and that's and that's who I would go with too. I in today's offense, I feel like the the kinds of receivers who will have the immediate impact or or could uh, have an immediate impact and have a huge role right from the get go are guys who can play all over the field, uh, particularly in the slot because that's just become such a hot spot for receiver and, and receiving production, and can run routes cleanly and smoothly and has have good hands. Like if you can get open the ball is going to be coming to you. And I think someone like Denzel Mims, uh, and it's not just because our boy Danny Kelly over at the ringer compares him to DJ Chark, but that similar kind of like downfield big play guy, I think takes a couple of years or a year at least to kind of develop to the point where they make a big impact. And that's why you see a lot of these second or third year receivers suddenly like become huge. And it's because they're extremely talented, but it just takes a little bit of time for that to click. Whereas guys like AJ Brown who come in as a rookie and can make an immediate impact. I feel like those are kind of cleaner route runners and are more able to kind of get open under in the underneath space and then make plays happen from there. Um, So I have the breakout ages. Are you guys ready for this? So ready. Yeah. So Denzel Mims' breakout age is 19.9, and Justin Jefferson's is 19.6. Oh! So. Wow. Okay, so... so Good, would you I rather, mean, Jordan? Yeah. Um, yeah, that is. So these two dudes both have very promising outlooks right now. I, I And so I guess I'll air with the, with the, my original choice there of, of Justin Jefferson. He's just... He has shown that he is a better wide receiver at this point. But I don't think that we necessarily, I don't think necessarily there is an incorrect answer to this one. I think that's pretty crazy in terms of breakout age for, especially for Justin Jefferson, because he wasn't like a highly recruited guy. I think, I mean, despite the fact that he went to LSU, I'm pretty sure he was, um, I'm pretty sure he just went there and like hopped onto the team and like had to really like work his way in. He wasn't somebody who just got a four year ride right away. Um, and he's, I think he's also been hurt a little bit by the fact that Joe Burrow is probably the consensus number one going to go mm. to Cincinnati Bengals, the whole uh, LSU offense, that sort of thing. But I, I don't think we're looking at how good Justin Jefferson also had to be in order to play and be as successful as he was. And he really showed out at the combine, which I thought was very interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah. Speed, especially, uh, Nick, why don't you give us one more? Would you rather? Cool. Um, th- uh, this one's uh, fairly simple. Nice. Would you rather draft, uh, at the end of the first round or early second, Mike Evans, Deandre Hopkins or Odo Beckham jr. I am going to say Hopkins. I, let me give you my order. Even that's how, that's how well I'm going yeah. to answer this question. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> I'm going to say Hopkins, Evans, Odell. I think Deandre Hopkins stepping into that offense in, in Arizona. I already am excited what Cliff Kingsbury has planned for him. He's going to be a target hog there. Uh, and I think him working with Kyler Murray and working with Larry Fitzgerald, I just, I also feel like DeAndre Hopkins, maybe he isn't this kind of player, but I also feel like he's going to be just on a, like a mission to prove that he was not the f- player at fault, like the person at fault in this trade that like Bill O'Brien was like, oh, I don't like DeAndre Hopkins having his baby mamas around. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be like, hey, Bill O'Brien, fuck you, uh, and just ball out. So I put my money there. Love revenge narratives. Mike Evans, I think, is going to be sneaky better than people think uh, because of because I think people are going to have a lower expectations of him because they're like, Oh, he's a down the field player. Brady doesn't love to chuck the ball deep. I don't think that that's entirely true. Uh, we've seen what Brady can do. Obviously this was back when Brady was in his prime. Like I will not, I uh, will not pretend that 43 year old Brady is the same as Brady in 2007, but the last time that Brady had a legit, like down the field, go get him threat. Randy Moss set the NFL record for 23 touchdowns in a single season. I think Mike Evans is going to have a bigger role and it will be a well put better, better stats than people are maybe anticipating. I think Chris Godwin is still going to be the number one wide receiver in that offense with Brady, but I don't think Mike Evans is going to take too big of a hit. Uh, and then Odell at three. I think these guys are all really close. I just put Odell at three because I have more or less sworn off the Browns until I it's proven to be. And that's just from personal biases because I had Odell and Baker to start last year and they both let me down big time. And so I'm now just like prove it before you, uh, before you earn it. Yeah. I think I've actually uh, come to the same conclusion in this thought exercise of Hopkins, Evans, Odell. Um, Odell I've been watching for the past couple of years now, and it's just, it's kind of disappointing. You don't know what he's going to, you still don't know what he's going to be in Cleveland because you think after another whole off season together, he and Baker might be able to sort some things out and he returned to the level that he was at before, but uh, it looks like they might not get another off season together. Um, as far point. as the Mike Evans, Tom Brady thing goes, um, Mike Evans is probably the wide receiver too, but, uh, last year, we clearly saw that wasn't all that important. Uh, it, it's just a, another thing where I'm not sure how that situation is going to play out. We don't know how the Arizona Cardinals situation is going to play out, but I'm pretty certain that DeAndre Hopkins is going to at least be the wide receiver one. So I think I have him like a slight edge over Mike Evans, even though they're both in the situation of like new quarterback. You don't know how that connection is going to go, et cetera. So. I think I just default to, I just think Hopkins is the best receiver out of the three. I dig this. Okay. So, so I'm actually going to go Odell number one. And the reason for doing that is that I, I like what I saw out of Kevin Stefanski still too uh, run heavy, but he's very smart in the way that he calls his plays heavy play action throws to running backs. He goes deep. He likes to utilize the slot receiver. He He's kind of like almost there for figuring out uh, like all the, the keys to just beating a defense. The fact that Odell and Baker now have had a year to work with each other is going to be a, a big deal here. Um, the other two receivers will not have worked with their quarterback ever. And the point that you just made, Jordan, was was apt. There, there might not be an offseason. So there, there's going to be a lot of chemistry that has to be made at the last minute. And I think that the combination of, of Stefanski, who is an, we, we, an indescribable upgrade over Freddie Kitchens, and it's such a shame that Todd Monken isn't there right now. But I, I think that um, Odell is going to be my number one. I think in the next the next I think is more difficult for me to make this this differentiation because as you as you've said Pete um the, the 
The pass didn't throw deep a ton last year, but when they did, Brady was as good as anyone else in the league. Yeah, like Brady top five deep passer. So I think that he still got that. And if if we're divvying up a dot, like Godwin, yeah, he's probably going to rack it up, especially in PPR. But but if he's he's you know five yards further down the field on his average depth of target, then I'm not worried about Evans in that regard. Now yeah. Hopkins, he has to go learn a new system and. He's got to learn how to work with a new quarterback. I still think he's going to be a wide receiver one, but I like the Odell situation way more. And my final thing before we take off here is I, I was irresponsible and did not look up ADPs until we were already discussing this. I figured that they would be somewhat in the same neighborhood. DeAndre Hopkins is currently this week in half point PPR. He's going off the board as the number five overall pick after uh, Alvin Kamara. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are coming off the board back-to-back. Godwin at 13, Evans at 14. Odell Beckham Jr. is not coming off the board until pick number 68. People are taking him in the sixth round, so that's my bad for saying this. But anyway... I think that that I think that he will rise. You know, he's going to get more more uh, positive reports of his hip surgery going well and all that. But anyway, yeah, Odell is number one for me. And after that, it's it's really probably a toss up. I think maybe Evans is the safer one. You know, because Hopkins that whole receiver going into a new team thing is is just standing strong in my mind, especially with what we just saw out of Beckham last year. But. Anyway, this was good. We're, we're My mind is absolutely time. blown that Odell Beckham is going in pick 60. <laughs> I can't process that right now. Yeah, I'm going to revise my yeah. and <laughs> I'm going to coin flip for Hopkins and Evans in the first round, and then I'm going to draft Odell in like the fourth. And- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Odell rocketing to the top of my list now. That way I don't have to get just one. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, – please – I mean, don't fix that fantasy uh, cognoscenti, but do fix that. Do do warm up on Odell because he should not be going in the fifth round. I'll toss out a, uh, a word you rather to get us going. Here's one. I feel like there's been two trends in the NFL. One that's been kind of the traditional seemingly trend and one that's now kind of taking over uh, into how you build your defense. So my question to you guys is, would you rather you are, you are a GM, let's say, and you're looking to build your defense. Would you rather have an elite front four or an elite secondary, which would you rather put your, put your uh, time and resources into? Oh man, this is tough. I don't know if I can answer this right away. Um, I think honestly, I would rather have an elite secondary because I think an elite secondary is way harder to build. Um, I, I think it's much harder to get. Um, it's so hard to get one shutdown cornerback, let alone two to three, and then have safeties who are dependable, who can, um, you know, maybe one you have as a gadget player who can line up uh, closer to the line of scrimmage, like a linebacker. Um, and I think as the New England Patriots have shown, that uh, it's better to have a secondary that can help you get covered sacks as opposed to um, just a, like a one-man wrecking crew. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, elite secondary. It's just harder to build. Yeah, me too. Um, Pro Football Focus is like two years, maybe three years, into studying the correlation between, I think it was top 10 uh, secondary units versus defensive line units and how that correlates to wins and losses in a season. And the, uh, the top secondary units are somewhat soundly beating the defensive yeah, line results. Yeah. 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 No, cause it's interesting. Cause you're right. I mean, I, I think you Jordan, you nailed it where it's, if you have an elite secondary, like that's some, that's a very difficult thing to build partially just because of the fact that you, a it involves, if you're going to build a totally uh, elite secondary, right, it involves one more player than an elite front four because you need to have a slot uh, corner these days. Like you have to have three corners and you have to have two safeties who can all play at an elite level. But I also think like what the Patriots have shown, where it's if you have those coverage sacks, you can get as long as you have like decent pass rushers. Um, And while you can have a just absolutely absurd, you know, front four that can just – get after a quarterback with ease if you don't have any back-end coverage 
you just get the ball out quick and you let people do things. Um, obviously the Rams kind of come to mind as an example, because I mean, a team with Aaron Donald, you're automatically going to get a huge boost on that defensive line. And yet their secondary, they obviously went and j- added Jalen Ramsey, but their secondary uh, used to not be as elite. And that was, uh, you were still able to, to toss on them. But I think it's, an inter- it's a definitely a train, a change of perspective. Cause it used to always be like, go get the guys who would go at, you know, get after the quarterback. Like that's who you got to, you build from the trenches outwards. And now it seems like the defensive strategy is becoming building from the uh, secondary and then inward. Which is another, uh, like, I haven't done any of the research into this. I've kind of just uh, left myself guessing. I don't know if you guys have looked into it at all, but it makes me really curious why the safety market is so bad. Mm, yeah. Like, I've wondered that like the past, like, especially last off season where it took like a guy who's like a solid safety, like Trey Boston forever to land with the team or like uh, there's a guy who could have been a future hall of famer. I don't know about that now, but Eric Berry still doesn't have a team. Nobody wanted to sign Tyran Matthew to a big contract. And I'm like, you guys know that safeties are part of the secondary too. Right. And they can be very beneficial. See, um, Earl Thomas, C. Eric Weddle, C. Um, Kevin Bayard. Like, there's a ton of good safeties who are very essential to what their team does as a whole. I was just always curious in the past couple yeah. of years, like why. I, I, the market is bad because most teams are run by stupid people who who did not earn their way into a front office. It's an old boys club, and there are old school uh, things at play here. Like we were just talking about. Uh, traditional knowledge is well you got to build the defensive line you yeah. got to have a defensive end mm-hmm. who can rush it's it, you, you got to have it you got to run on first down you got to run on second down it, it, it's the same thing um look at you know the the winningest friggin or or whatever the, the best damn team that any of us have ever seen play is, is the bill belichick patriots and just pick the year um his what, what was his quote pete uh um a free safety can change the game or something. It was something to the effect of like, sounds like it. a free safety is, is the, the most pivotal part of a defense. And, and Pete Carroll, his defense doesn't work without, without a free yeah. safety. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it, a, a talented center fielder changes the game in a way that, that no other position uh, routinely has. Um that's not to say that you know an Aaron Donald can't win a game, but over the course of a career, sure. that position is just you, you can't beat it. Uh, and and go look at the good teams, look at the smart teams. You'll see if they've got a good safety. Well, um, look at all the best teams in like the 2010s, whether that's uh, Ed Reed, Troy Polamalu, uh, Rodney Harrison. Uh, Bob Sanders, even though the Colts' defense were always trash, he was always like a really good player for them. So I, I just don't understand it. I get the old old people's club. They're probably thinking like, oh, you got to win the battle of the trenches. And I'm like, yeah, definitely build a good offensive line. But how good does your defensive line really need to be? Yeah. Uh, all right. Before Nick ditches us because he has a hard off at nine, uh, we have a – fan a listener contribution to would you rather uh so from andrew shuba who had a long time listener first time caller uh and this is courtesy from even him he tweeted this at us which is courtesy of rich robbins so shout out rich robbins uh you're being spoken about on a uh, on a podcast that's a that's a win uh for anyone uh all right would you rather go a year without internet and tv or try to outrun a hungry velociraptor. It's in one end zone. You're at the 50-yard line. And if you can make it to the other end zone before it gets you, it disintegrates Thanos style. How fast TV can thing. a velociraptor... <laughs> what's, a, what's a velociraptor's yeah. 40 time? They're oh extremely up, fast. It can get up to 40 miles per hour. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, this isn't... <laughs> Any of us are going to be lucky to like clear 15. <laughs> you're getting out of your stance and it pounces on you. Yeah. No, you're, you're dead. That's this is, oh God. We should ask, uh, tweet this to Arian Foster. Remember when he was claiming he would, he could defeat a wolf by letting it bite <laughs> one of his arms and then beating it with the other. Like, <laughs> Get out of here. 
That is how how you fight a wolf is let it eat half your body and then use the other half of your body to beat it up. One of you (laughs) will win. Either he will finish eating you or you will just punch him hard enough. (laughs) It's like the the one that we would always say is, is like, do you think if you were a running back lined up, whatever, eight yards behind the line of scrimmage and the, could you get to the line of scrimmage in a, in a pro NFL game? This is the one we'd ask in college. And one kid was like, no. one kid was like, Oh yeah, I definitely could. I could get to the, to the line of scrimmage. I'm like, ah, no, you couldn't because I could promise you <laughs> the defensive lineman who weighs 300 pounds runs a faster 40 than you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Final note on that one. Shout out to all the people I've ever had to fucking watch football with. who have been like, yeah, I mean, I, I probably run like a four or five now. Well, I don't know who, I was it was, wasn't better. it Katie Nolan who, who basically like collected all of the dudes on Twitter who said that shit. And then was like, okay, come run a 40. Oh or, yeah. They have I, or or kick their, a field so. goal too. They did too, where it's like, oh, I could make that field goal. And she's like, okay, here you go. You said you could make a field goal, kick a field goal. And they all just like fail miserably. So I want to say something that might just get me ethered in the Twitter <laughs> comments. I don't care. Um, I'm running the math here. <laughs> So if I am at, <laughs> if I'm at like absolute peak of my athletic ability, not now because that's not happening, but if I was at my absolute peak, yes, my fastest hundred time ever was 11 seconds and 40 miles per hour is 17.8 meters per second. And, um, so that's how do I do that math? It is a hundred divided by seventeen point eight meters per second to figure out how many how fast a full hundred would be. So he's running five point eight. But if I already have half that distance gone, we might get to the line at the same time. <laughs> he might he might As get your legs before he back. disintegrates. But yeah. that that still might be very scary. So I think I'll just read a bunch <laughs> <laughs> for a year. There you go. All right. Well, uh, thank you, uh, listeners, for contributing and bringing that one and making Jordan do math live on the podcast. First time I've done math in months. I know. Can we also, this was a thing that irked me. Did you guys ever take math tests in like high school or college that were, you weren't allowed to use a calculator? No. Well, I don't know. I was terrible. I don't know I had one, about like I had, high school. I had college. one prof who I remember they were like, it was a test and you couldn't use a calculator. And I was just like, this is the dumbest thing in the world because when in my life will I not have a calculator on me? Welcome to the 21st century where it's literally in our pocket at all times. It enraged me to the point of no end. To the point where I'm still talking about it 10 years later. Never forget. That's what, that's what this math professor did to me. You know who that you are. That guy's a jerk. That guy's a jerk. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Nick's out. <laughs> the hard off at nine is true. He never lies about that. Uh, that's all we got. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We are there. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nicholas, despite the fact that it leaves early, you can follow at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week uh, to maybe we will do our own remote uh, NFL mock draft. NFL draft. I feel like since we've been doing this for like three years now, the NFL's kind of copying us from doing these like remote from our room drafts. So I feel like we should probably get some more uh, for that. But until then, peace.